we were running a little bit busy, and all of a sudden, I was standing here, and I, I felt heat. I thought, wow, something's, something's going on here. My first thought was something's broken up underneath the pulpit, and uh, Kelton was down here. I said, hey, man, I said, come here. Come here real quick. I said, you got to feel this. this is, I said, man, there's heat. And, he, and then I looked, and this heater was on, the little <laughs> space heater. At first, I thought, oh, my soul, I've left it on for a week, but... Um, Praise God, Brother Kelton had put it, turned it on for me this morning, amen. So I got warmth back here, and uh, so that is a, that's a wonderful, wonderful blessing, amen. Well, we're going to open our Bibles back up into the book of Matthew here this morning. I do sure appreciate Andy's reading today, tremendous job, and I uh, do want to say that everyone that participates in the services, you guys are doing a great job, and I, I sure appreciate all your help. Uh, it has been a, a wonderful blessing. And uh, so I ask you to open your Bible. I know the verses will be on the screen, and, uh, but nonetheless, I do ask you, if you can, dig into your word, get familiarity with the pages of the Holy Scripture. And uh, so Matthew chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. Matthew 12, looking at verse 33 through verse 37. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ says here, He says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. He goes on to say, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men, or that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the, thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words Thou shalt be condemned. Father, we pray a special blessing upon the reading of thy word today. I ask you to bless the words that will be spoken here, dear God. Allow it to touch and tender our hearts and draw us ever so closer to you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Matthew 12 is a very famous book or a famous chapter. Uh, it's where we find the infamous confrontation between uh, the religious wicked and the righteous winner, who we call Jesus Christ. The event here, to, to place the context of our text today, uh, we find the Pharisees are accusing Jesus Christ of disregarding the Sabbath. That's how it opens up. They're accusing him and his disciples as disregarding the law uh, as well. And they're doing this as a, you know, then they, they turn the tables and, and they accuse Jesus of being in union, union or unison with Satan. I mean, the whole thing escalated quickly. So the first thing was the accusation of disregarding the Sabbath day uh, and then disregarding the law. Then all of a sudden you're in unison with Satan. So when he and his disciples are accused of, of disregarding the law, the law of the Sabbath, that is, uh, the reason being is because they were hungry. Okay, and they were on their way, and uh, they plucked the ears of corn uh, uh, to eat, and, and yet Jesus used the very law that they were, they were accusing him of disregarding, his own very word, to rebuke them. Uh, with really and truly, with a mic-dropping scene, Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12 today, and in verse 8, he says, For the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. And, so, and then he turned around and he went into the synagogue. So here's the deal. As they're passing by on this Sabbath day, there was to be no work done on the Sabbath day. The disciples were hungry. They wanted to eat some food. And so as they came by this, this crop of corn, they plucked the corn 
off of the stalk, they peeled the ears back, and they ate some of the corn. That plucking and peeling was considered to be labor on the Sabbath day in the eyes of uh, the Pharisees. And yet, so the Lord Jesus Christ just simply said that the Lord is the Lord on the Sabbath day, and then he turned around and went to church house, amen, as his uh, custom was. After this, there was a man on the Sabbath day with a withered hand. He presented himself to Jesus, who tells the story of a sheep falling into a pit on the Sabbath day, which probes the question of would you live, would you leave that, that sheep in that pit to die just because it's the Sabbath day, or would you get in and get after him? So then he turned to the man, he, uh, he healed him, and, and the Pharisees absolutely lost their mind. He healed this man with a withered hand, and we find in Matthew 12, 14, it says, Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Now think about this for a second, guys. Think about it for just a second. You stop and you see a man who has this withered up hand, and in the blink of an eye, Jesus Christ heals that hand, and your very first thought is to destroy that man that can perform such a great and wonderful miracle. After this, we find that Isaiah 42, verses 15 through 19, is taking place before the very eyes of all the people. Jesus was followed by the multitudes, hundreds if not thousands were healed, the blind saw, the dumb spake, the deaf heard, and the confession was made in Matthew 12, verse 23, and all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? And in other words, is this not the Messiah? Now this is the root right here of why the Pharisees wanted him destroyed, because the attention was taken off the Pharisees as these leaders, as the rulers, as the one that everyone was to look up at and respect and honor and praise. And now here comes this son of a carpenter, if you will, healing people left and right, doing it on the Sabbath day, claiming he's the Lord still on the Sabbath day, amen, and now say, we got to destroy this guy. Now you would think, these Pharisees, who are considered to be experts on the law, okay? You would think that they would be like, this is him. This is who we have been looking forward to. We have been teaching and reading and praying and preaching. They've been reading Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 42 inside, <clears throat> in the synagogues for decades on end. You would have thought that they would have been on board with all the people, but they were not. So just as the witnesses and the recipients... Their character was revealed in their word with the confession of the, some, the Messiah. So is it true with the rejectors of Jesus Christ, the religious, the ones who refuse to accept the truth of the current climate and deny even the very word they say they believe. Beloved, Jesus was prophesied. I just mentioned Isaiah 53 just a moment ago, but Isaiah was the most read book in the synagogues. And with chapters, our chapters 42 and chapters 53 being read more than they all, and those are the ones that speak of the wonderful Messiah. They should have known. Yet their true nature of their own self-righteousness are exposed by their very tongue. I repeat what I said just a moment ago. The witnesses and the recipients of the healing, those that witnessed the healing and those that were healed, their true character is revealed by their own words. Is not this the son of David? Yet so are the religious wicked here as well. You see, their own words are condemning their own souls. 
And as they sought to destroy Jesus, they now accuse him of working with Satan, which brings the topic of discussion with Jesus and his detractors today in this confrontation of what we call the unpardonable sin. While it's under the law, it was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And before your mind starts wondering, can we commit the unpardonable sin today? No, we cannot. Paul blasphemed God. He was a blasphemer by his own confession, yet he was saved and born again. This is a, this is a particular uh, dispensational sin that may be committed. Jesus makes a profound statement as he sums up the opening statement in judgment against the Pharisees by saying this in verse 30 of our chapter. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. He makes it very clear, Jesus does, uh, that he was not working in unison with Satan, but rather those that were accusing him, that were accosting him, the religious, they in fact were working with Satan himself. Those who strain in a net and swallow a camel, those who seek to destroy Jesus Christ, those who, who attack his preserved, purified word, those who set up on a pedestal formats from 50 years ago, making a golden calf out of the order of services that we see in the world today. But we have Pharisees today, do we not? We have Pharisees in our world, certainly not in the sense of being experts on the law, but rather in the sense of their judgmental attitudes, who cannot get out of the past to see the hand of God working for the future in the present. We have those today who seek to destroy Jesus. They may not be draped in robes, although we know many of them are draped in robes, long black ones. No, they may not be mean and arrogant. Um, they may be rather sweet and fluffy, but make no mistake, in quietness they work to destroy the foundation of Jesus Christ. They are with, they are by no mistake working in quiet behind the scene. They are not with Christ. They gather not with Jesus Christ. And even though they scatter their followers abroad, they themselves will one day be scattered. They will suffer the judgment in the words of Jesus Christ. He that is not with me is against me. One day they're going to hear these words as we read in Matthew 7. And then, they, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The supporting verses for our text in uh, Matthew chapter 12 is found in Matthew 7, as we just read right there. And in Matthew 7, Jesus reveals, in the preceding verses of what we just read, he reveals this in verses 22 and 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name uh, done many wonderful works? These are the ones that we just read that Jesus Christ confesses unto them, saying, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Listen to me this morning, please. I mean, with dire need and undivided attention, listen to what we have to say today from the Holy Scriptures, guys. You are either with Jesus Christ or you are against Him. There is no middle ground. People say, well, I got my own belief. Then you're against Him. It's just it's that simple. This is the words of the Lord Himself. You're either with Jesus Christ or you're against Him. There is no straddling the fence. Uh, no answer at all is the answer no. If you're not gathering for Jesus Christ, you are scattering abroad against Jesus Christ. It is that simple today. 
So with all this said this morning, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is rebuking and exposing these Pharisees or who they are. The religious before, before theirs and everyone else's eyes, they are being rebuked right to the face. And even though the Lord knew their hearts, for he's God, it was their own words that betrayed them. The fruit of their own lives, the context is speaking against Jesus Christ. And, and people feel today that they can say or, or, or speak and uh, anything they want without any type of recourse. And, and, try, and also, guys, typing on social media is still a form of speaking. And we think that we can say and do and type and speak and post anything we want to without any form of recourse whatsoever. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that simply is not true. We've already read the verses in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. Think about this for a second. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You, you think it's just frivolous speech. You think it's just filler words to buy time. I say nay, and the Lord says nay. He says that we're going to give an account for every single idle word that we have spoken under heaven. I, I realize over this past year, especially in the past several months, we've, we've preached and taught quite a lot on communication, on words, on what we say, what we speak, and how we listen. And the reason being, beloved, is because words are tools. But it is through words your soul is saved by making a confession in your heart to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or it is through the absence of words that your heart is condemned. Through your own words you condemn your own soul, Jesus says. He lays it on the table quite simply, I believe. The first thing we find is there is a demand. Verse 33 of our text says, either make the tree good for its, and its fruit, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its, his fruit. I've told you many a times, I was raised in Florida, and uh, we had orange groves all over the place. You'd be driving down the interstate or the highway or the back road, whatever it was, and all of a sudden you'd come to just a sea of just oranges and this and that. There was not one time in the state of Florida growing up that I ever ride by a, uh, um, uh, an orange grove and think that was a peach orchard. Not one time. Not one time did I ever go out there and smell those orange blossoms in the middle part just before winter as they begin to bloom and before those oranges come out. And not one time did I ever think, man, those apple blossoms sure smell nice. Not once. I never have been, now there's different types of oranges. Now the best oranges are Valencia oranges. You can have those dry sun-kissed oranges out there in the west coast of California. You take a Florida orange as a Valencia orange. And within the Valencia orange, you have different species of oranges, like a Mercart orange, a navel orange, and all these different types of oranges that are made just a little bit different. But nonetheless, they're oranges, and you know what that tree is. Why do you know what that tree is? By its fruit. Jesus Christ makes a clear definition here, a clear demand. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, but by that fruit is how you're going to know that tree. What we see here in this verse, my friend, is an ultimatum. 
Now, if I was to go through the room this morning and ask how many people just love an ultimatum, I would imagine zero people in the room today would say, I can't wait to get my next ultimatum. You know why? Our society hates ultimatums. Our society despises them. An ultimatum is defined as a final demand or statement of terms, the rejection of which will result in the retaliation or a breakdown in relations. Let's go back. You're either for me or you're against me. You're either with me, you're either gathering or you're scattering. There is no middle ground. So either the tree is good or corrupt, either the fruit is fresh or it's rotten to the core. There's no middle ground. Our world hates ultimatums. Our society despises absolute truths when there's only one way with two choices. We have a generation today who have been raised up with the idea that there are infinite opportunities in this life, and and they say these things, and yet they never make any type of advance in life. They never excel. They never grow. They're 30 and 40 years old, still living living home with mom and dad or, or grandma and grandpa or whoever it may be, and it's because they didn't do anything in their 20s. They laid no foundation, and they're doing nothing but scattering abroad. They say, well, you know, the choice is yours, isn't it? No. Parents, it's your job. To lay the foundation. Jesus Christ gives a demand. You're either going to be corrupt or you're going to be good. There is no halfway. There is no partial steps. The fact of the matter is a tree is known by its fruit. It's known by what it, is, what it produces. And we today, my friend, are no different. Jesus Christ has given us a demand. We are going to be known by what we produce in our life. Jesus demands on the backside of stating you are with him or against him that your fruit is either fresh or rotten. You are either producing or barren. You are known by your fruit and that which you produce in your life. So how then, how then do we produce good fruit? Where is our fruit seen? Guys, do you know your fruit is often heard long before it's ever seen? I mentioned a moment ago, I mentioned about those orange blossoms. Anybody know what a gardenia smells like? A, gar- a gardenia? So a gardenia and an orange blossom smell, smell very similar to one another. But an orange blossom in the, in the, in the early part of the autumn, because oranges are winter fruit, they grow in the wintertime. Just around, you know, late August, maybe early September, those, they're blooming out. And I'm telling you, if you're anywhere near an orange blossom and that wind is blowing right, Man, you can smell those things. And they smell so sweet, so pure, so beautiful. I'm telling you, you could be in a bad mood and you can smell an orange blossom and all of a sudden you can just get in a little bit of a better mood. Why is that? You know, our words are very similar to that. You don't even have to see the orange grove, but you can, you can smell the fruit that's being produced. You see, someone may not see you but they may hear or read you. Words reveal our character. And often we are heard long before we are seen. A word is defined as a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing used with others to form a sentence and typically show with a space or either side when written or printed. Words, guys. Do you realize what your words do your words specifically they reveal your character and we see secondly they establish your designation they establish your designation watch what jesus christ says 
He says, O generations of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's the title of our message this morning. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. When you open your mouth and the words that you use and the way that you use them reveals your character. It reveals your nature. It reveals your heart. What's a viper? Nisi and I were watching something we saw. I don't know what it was. Uh, we're like two old people watching these things on two different phones. It was the silliest thing in the world we do. And we had been talking about maybe going to Cape Town sometime. And, and uh, all of a sudden, she pulls this video up of this massive-looking cobra. Daisy, this thing was fanned out like this right here. It looked like something from Ricky Ticky Toddy, you know. And it, it was. It was a mongoose fight. But this thing was, was standing up like this and moving. And I mean moving fast. And I think it was like across a golf course or across something. I mean, man, he was, I'm telling you, I'm watching it on the screen, and I'm getting a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we got about two snakes in this entire country. I'm watching this on the screen thousands of miles away, and I'm going, whew, I'm getting a little shaky here. And I'm not really afraid of snakes. This thing was huge, man. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, good night, where is that? And she goes, oh, it's in Cape Town. She goes, eh, we may not want to go there. But, but a viper is a venomous snake. It has large hinged fangs, typically having a broad head and a stout body. There is a difference between a poisonous snake and a venomous snake. Poison is a toxin that gets into the body by inhaling, swallowing, or absorption through the skin. Now listen to this. Venom, or a venomous snake, is a toxin which is injected in you. You see, the Lord chooses the right term to refer to these vile people. They use their words to inject into people which causes death and destruction. The psalmist said, Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue, he says. James of Zebedee said in James 3.8, he says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now the word poisons you. This term vipers is used three times in the scriptures, all by the Lord Jesus Christ and every time toward a wicked generation filled with religion. For the Pharisees, they, saw, they, they thought they were fooling everyone. They thought to play the part of the good and the righteous person, one who was, who was to be looked upon as a role model, an example, if you will. Yet their very words betrayed themselves. Their, actu their accusations against Jesus Christ revealed their heart and their hatred toward the Son of God. Their seeking to destroy the, the Messiah exposed their heart for who they truly were. The words revealed their character just like ours do. It opened up a door to the heart for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Your words establishes your designation, who you are. Jesus Christ gives a demand. So this designation, which is determined by our own words, sits on the backside of Christ's demand. And he, uh, he this day is asking us, what does your words reveal about you? It all has to do with your destination. I'd go through, I'd ask a question here this morning about how many people have ever met someone who is vehemently insecure, we have a phrase for people like that. 
a couple phrases. Blowfish, trying to make themselves bigger than they really are. By the way, I mentioned that cobra. That's why a cobra fans out. It doesn't want to to a fight. It doesn't want it does that. It makes itself look bigger so that its you know other predator would run away. Consequently, in the second part of that video, a mongoose whipped that thing's tail and dragged him off in the woods, man. But he was about 15 feet long, that snake was. Huge. The mongoose got him, oh, Ricky Ticky Tavi. Amen? But have you ever met someone who, they're just insecure? They're always topping your conversation. They can't end the conversation on your, your story or whatever. They've got to come back and just got to top you. We call it little man syndrome. We call it blowfish syndrome. We call it those things. And I do pity people like that. I feel sorry for them. But that's why the words reveal who you are. It not only reveals your designation, it's not only on the backside of Christ's demand, but beloved, it reveals your, des- your, your destination. And stick with me on this. If you're here this morning, saved and born again of the blood of Christ, you have believed by faith, okay? It's according to grace that you're saved, but you've believed by faith the written word of God that, that, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was for you. You've accepted that free gift, and you are trusting by faith today. When you die, you're going to go to heaven and have eternal life. That's called eternal security. And it's not a security that you hold, but it's a security that the Holy Spirit has sealed. Sealed unto the day of redemption, it says. Now, security is the opposite of insecurity. And that's the reason I say this. Our words should reveal that we are secure. That we are locked and loaded. That we are, man, we are the most secure people on the face of the planet. I don't think we should walk around arrogant and haughty and cocky and all this and that. But I'll tell you one thing. We should be walking around with security. People should be able to see in us a secure heart, a secure mind, a secure spirit that, that, that they can be drawn to. Because our world lives in an insecure state today. Kids, children are raised not knowing what's going to happen in the next step, and they keep listening to this ridiculous newsreels and what all this the, the left are saying, and all these people, they're fighting amongst themselves when they should just get into the Holy Scriptures and put their faith and their trust and their dependence in a pure, preserved, purified Word of God. And this is their foundation. Your words reveal your destination. Look at verse 35 with me. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Now before you run to Romans chapter 3 verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Before you run to Romans chapter 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of glory of God. Or even before you run to the rich young ruler, where the Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none a good but one, that is God. I want you to remember what we, have, what, what we speak with. We speak with words. And words reveal your character. And our Lord said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That heart is your being, okay? It is your central being. It's where your decisions are made. The being of yourself, not just your... Not your heart that's beating, but it is you, your mind, all of these things put together. 
So what is your destination today? If you're here today and you say, my destination is heaven. I'm on the way to heaven. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm secure. I know that if you sit here this morning, 100% sure you're going to heaven, then I ask you to read the next verse from the screen. 1 Corinthians in chapter, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians, and I didn't put it up there. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 17. You can turn there in your Bible. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, all means all. That's all all means. Right? Wait a second, preacher. I just read that there's none good, no, not one. Jesus Christ said there's no good except my Father in heaven, or which is God, my Father in heaven. The Bible tells us that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And that's 100% right, 100% inspired, 100% preserved, 100% purified. Just like 2 Corinthians here. Just like uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. If all things are to become new, it also means that your heart should be new. Yeah? Now, you know where many of us are going to run right now? You probably just saw it a moment ago. We're going to run Jeremiah 17, 9, aren't we? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Jeremiah's right. Mankind's heart is desperately wicked. The wisdom of Solomon said in Proverbs 4, 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Every issue of life comes from the heart of mankind, who is wicked by nature since the fall of Adam, and yet the greatest king Israel ever said in his psalm of repentance and his prayer before God, he said, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. The heart is the seed of our being. And if you have been born again, that means all of you have been born again. It doesn't mean the old man has, been, has gone away. But it means that we have to work to put the old man away. We have to labor to crucify the old man with his deeds. We have to labor to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, Romans 13, 14. That's what we have to do in our life. And we're asking, as David said, unto God, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. The heart is the seat of our being. It is where our thinking process comes from. Create in me a heart, a new heart. Paul said this, let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Guys, these are present verses that apply right now. Jesus Christ came to this earth as God. And yet he, he, he thought it not wrong for him to come and put on the mind of a servant to serve others, to love others, to sacrifice for others. So therefore, when we, we think of the words that we use and the words that we say, and, and yeah, I'm going to do this and I'll do that, and I'm going to commit here and I'm going to commit there, and I'm going to do all these different things, we better check and see what heart we're speaking with, amen. And have we asked God to create in us a new heart, amen. Have we said, put on the mind of Jesus Christ, because Solomon said in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you thinketh in your heart, so is you. So I want you to think about it this morning, beloved, how our words reveal our heart. 
Does the fruit of our heart reveal that we are a follower of Jesus Christ? Does our words reveal our destination unto heaven, our designation of being a child of God, obeying the demand of our Lord and Savior to be with him and not against him? Do our words reveal that? We are instructed to put on the new man and make not provision for the flesh. We are told to put off the old man and his deeds. We are to ask Jesus Christ to create a new heart in us and let the same mind that was in him who took on the, uh, the, the mind of a servant. So again, I ask you this, what heart do you have today? Do you have a servant's heart which is exposed by the words of a servant asking, how may I serve? Or do you have a sinner's heart which is exposed by the words of a sinner asking, how may I be served? Do you have a sensual heart which is exposed by the words of carnality asking, how may uh, I be served more? The truth of the matter is, guys, is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So today I ask you, what are your words when it comes to your heart? What are your words when it comes to the thought in your life today? What are your words and what does it reveal in you? as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the world that we live in today. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for who and what you are, for all that you have done. We pray now for your continual guidance, grace, and mercy. We ask you, Lord, that if you will, give us the direction we need to better and best serve you. And Father, I pray that we would take on board this morning the precious teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Allow it to rest into our hearts and our souls today that we may be pleasing in thy sight. In Jesus Christ we ask. Amen and amen. I hope the preaching and teaching of the word of God was a blessing to your heart this morning.